Welcome to Belonging Matters podcast series, now available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and www.belongingmatters.org. You can email Belonging Matters on info at belongingmatters.org. Episode 17, On Becoming, Developing and Acting on a Vision for Valued Social Roles. John Armstrong has been involved with people and families of people with a disability for over 40 years. He has worked as a trainer and consultant across many settings with individuals, families and agencies throughout Australia and New Zealand, affording him a large scope of experience and learning. John also has been a senior social role valorization trainer and extensively involved with citizen advocacy as an advocate and board member. In this podcast, John outlines the importance of developing and acting on a vision to attain valued social roles in the community. Did you ever get asked what you wanted to be when you grew up? Do you remember how excited you were as you imagined what being someone important or clever or brave or who help people, or work with amazing machines could be like? It's interesting to consider how the question primed us to think about the future, of growing up and becoming something. It primed us about valued social roles, though of course we probably didn't put it that way. This was the nudge we needed, along with statements like, you know, you're pretty good at that. Have you ever thought about becoming? It set us thinking, and planning and asking more questions and imagining ourselves the part being performed within that role. We also thought about what it takes to be in that role. What would I have to become to enable me to do that? Do I have what it takes? What education would I need and what level of maths and physics would I have to achieve? Of course, having other people believe in you was such a big bonus and such a crushing drawback if they didn't. In fact, their belief could make or break your desire to succeed in that role. Being asked what you wanted to be was probably one of the biggest and the most immediate expressions of such belief. It forced us to know ourselves better and to truly match or at least think about our capabilities to the requirements of the role. This is referred to as a person-role match. Sometimes we imagine things that were not real, created elements that were not at all accurate, only to learn that our imagination had tricked us into seeing a mirage. The role was nothing like we thought. We were nothing like we thought. But we could all learn from the experience and move on to something that better matched what we imagined. Do family members with a disability typically get asked questions that consider their future? Often not. The nudge is missing as many others often remain uncertain as to what one might expect to see and hope for. Only in recent times have we seen the examples of people, some with significant disabilities, obtaining roles that previously we had never dreamed of. It has given rise to an increasing optimism about the future for people with disabilities. Can we dare to dream? Can we listen and take notice of their dreams? Could my son or daughter, for instance, attend university? 
And the answer for an increasing number is yes. Certainly not everyone needs or wants to go to university, but this simply illustrates what can be achieved. Without the dream of what we can be and become, we would never harness the impetus and the courage to seek answers to the questions. What could stop us? Put simply, narrowness, narrowness of experience, narrowness of expectations, narrowness of belief and hope. It might be born of a fear that it will fail and a misguided notion that one will be safer if one does nothing. Let's just keep with a narrow, read, safe perspective, a kind of survival mode that thinks just one day at a time. Sometimes the psychic load, such as worries and fears and anxieties people can carry, prevents them from venturing further. But not knowing who one really is produces a psychic load of sorts as well. In fact, not having a valued role makes people seek any role. And negative roles are quick and easy to acquire. So while we fear moving forward, we could unwittingly be encouraging someone we love to move backwards into dark areas, such as the many negative roles available with their low expectation, their poor habits and disciplines, the dependency they contain, and reduced competence and confidence to become something that could take a lifetime to escape. Please know, let's not go there. Have you ever noticed how many things in life happen to those who are looking? Some of the research on luck, as once reported on Catalyst, bears this out. Lucky people are just people who watch for opportunities, see them and then act on them. It's called serendipity. Unlucky people are simply people who believe that nothing good could, can happen to them and so they aren't looking. At all. In one study, they simply dropped $50 notes on the footpath. Who found them? You guessed it, the ones who are looking. The unlucky people simply walked right over the money. The same opportunity was there for both groups, but only those looking for an opportunity grabbed it. Sometimes opportunity is staring us in the face. We just have to grab it. One thing that helps us, though, is to hear the yearning within ourselves. Have you ever known that something was missing in your life? Knowing this can make you a bit depressed, but also watchful and especially prone to seeing opportunities that arise. One author, Daniel Coyle, in 2009, called this a trigger, the thing that I'd been looking for. That's it. It produces ignition that fires the person up and in the direction they now need to head. They also experience a strange sense of belonging because they now know where they should be and the type of people that they will be with. When people are stuck in awful, restrictive environments and constrained physical and social settings, it's nearly impossible to satisfy this yearning. So much has been written about striving and its effect on one's sense of well-being and happiness. But imagine being stuck in a place you can't escape from, feeling a strong sense of pain but unable to change it. Quite often then it's a matter of exploration. What will switch this person on? What can excite them and ignite their passion? Who are they really? And how can we discover that? 
That's why parents and other close people who share many of their experiences like camping and travel and hikes and adventures and sailing and music and theatre and skiing and church and other children and books and swimming and house chores, etc. already know a great deal about what the person loves doing. And so do they. Overprotection never permits that exploration and leads to wasted opportunities and a prediction, much like people who don't think they have any luck, that pursuing something is a waste of time. How ironic, given that not doing anything is indeed a waste of time and of life. As the ancients said, where there is no vision, the people perish. When people are ignited towards something, they tend to channel their energy into that which ignites them. They have little time for other pursuits or distractions. Choices tend to reflect a focus on the goals of the vision and tend not to be distracted into adverse pursuits that would undermine that vision. We all slip up though, but depending on how much of a vision is uppermost in our thoughts, we usually manage to get back on track and continue with even greater vigour. It's a matter of valuing what we value and not letting pathetic endeavours take precedence. Have you met people with disability who are very clear about what they value and what they wish to pursue? How do you feel when you see that? If people don't have a clear vision of who they want to be, their choices often reflect the confused and aimless state of their being. Anything is possible. Others, not perhaps having experienced much control and choice in their life, revel in the newfound freedom, much like students leaving high school at schoolies week. I'll do anything I want, just because I can. But the good things of life, or valued social roles, do not emerge from such conduct in the long run. Only long-term preferences that often express a no illustrates the authentic form of freedom that being able to say no can bring, to have the capacity to reject an unnecessary distraction to my goals, even ones that are captivating. Now that's freedom. Why should valued social roles be so important? Because valued roles shape every aspect of our lives and define who we are. Valued roles facilitate every relationship and open doors to community participation. They determine the settings and the activities and the appearance of a person. They stimulate growth and learning. Valued roles provide identity and status. They profoundly influence how a person sees themselves and how others see and treat them. They even provide an impetus for possessions we acquire and the financial support we receive. Our rights are expressed through our roles. Our roles are us. Yet there is something even bigger for people with disabilities, because as we discuss in social role valorization workshops, their role is even more and more powerful in shaping the impression of others, more powerful than even their impairment. This is why roles are so integral to shaping the future we all seek of what we have come to call, as a shorthand, the good things of life. No valued roles, essentially no good life. 
We need a nudge to get us going. The people with disability we know and love need that too, and quite a bit more. They especially need people who will help shape the high expectations, the rich experiences, and plentiful investment in a future life through supporting valued social roles that reflect who a person really is. One can then begin the story of becoming. You've been listening to the Belonging Matters podcast series. For copies of this and other Belonging Matters programs, please go to belongingmatters.org. The Belonging Matters website features free podcasts, videos, and many other resources to assist people with disabilities and their families to lead ordinary lives in their communities. To contact Belonging Matters, please email info at belongingmatters.org.